Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I want to discourage that behavior right there. That's not where, that's not the direction that the Lord is taking you. We want to make sure that we balance that out, that we don't make things idols for our kids. Their kids that grow up and it's like, man, their whole goal in life is to have a thing or possess a thing. We want to make sure that the thing that's elevated above everything else is the Lord. Because if they have the Lord as in its rightful place, they may very well have all those other things and be able to enjoy them in a proper way. There are people that have things, but the things all fall far under the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind us of where God should place in our priorities. If you're honest, you may have to admit that your family or friends are more important to you. Or perhaps your life revolves around your career or financial well-being. Those things aren't bad. They could be amazing blessings. But when they come before your relationship with God, they become idols. When He comes first, you'll be amazed at all the positive effects that it can have on those other aspects of your life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 17 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. One of the things that we're going to see in this chapter, and we'll see it multiple times, is the thing that characterizes the period of the judges, which is that every man or everybody did that which was right in his own eyes. And we're going to see how very wrong it is for people to do what's right in their eyes um, and how they, God wants us to be a people that does what's right in his eyes. And we can only get that from his word. Amen. And so let's look at it. I'm going to take it in chunks. But look at verse one. We get introduced to a man named Micah. It says, now there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. The name Micah means who is like Jehovah or who is like God. So he had a godly name. We're going to find that even though he had a godly name, he doesn't have godly parents. And he doesn't live a godly life, but he's got a godly name. Who is like Jehovah? Verse two. And he said to his mother, the eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from you and on which you put a curse, even saying it in my ears, here is the silver with me. I took it. And his mother said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my son. So this kid or this young man, Micah, um, had stolen a large sum of money from his mom. When the money was stolen, his mother pronounced a curse on whoever stole it. Uh, maybe that bothered him enough to where he came and said, Mom, remember that money that was stolen and you put a curse on the pair? Whoever stole it, that was me. I stole it. So now his mother replaces the curse with a blessing. Bless, bless, you know, she says, uh, be blessed by the Lord, my son. And I just want to point out a few things that may be wrong with this right here. First of all, we're going to find out what the money was for. Mom was saving up this large sum of money to make some idols. Never mind that yet. We'll get to that. But. We, we have a scenario here where we have a kid who's got a spiritual name. We have a mom who's saving up a large sum of money. She's, she's ready to make quite an investment in idolatry. We have a son that's stealing from his mom, a mom that's pronouncing curses. And then when he comes back, she doesn't correct him or rebuke him. Whoever stole this curse, you know, I hope they go to hell, curse him. And then when she found out that his son is, oh, God bless you, son, your blessings on you. It's, it's no punishment, no, no challenge, no rebuke, no, how could you do this to me? And I just, you know, we can read by that real quick, but I just want you to consider how, how broken down morally a, a, a son would be to steal a large sum of money from his mother. 
He doesn't tell us why he stole it, but he stole this large sum of money from his mom. And just um, even some of us here, when we weren't saved, we wouldn't have done that. Amen. Amen. So most of us, I was when I wasn't saved, I was a thief. I would steal. I never stole from my mother. Not her. You, but not her. Somebody out there, somebody that I don't know, but my mom. Like, no, I, I, could, I wouldn't steal 25 cents from my mother. If I found money in the wash, I would go and be like, Mom, I found this. Can I have it? You know, like I wasn't just I wasn't just going to claim it, you know, because, you know, one, it, I just wasn't. You know, I was lost, but I guess I wasn't that lost. Two, if my mother would have found out I stole it, she wouldn't have said, oh, bless it upon you, son. There, there'd be some repercussions and there should be um, all that to say in this period of time where everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes, parents and kids. Right. There's, they have this form of godliness. We're going to give our son a, a godly name. Who is like Jehovah? Who is like the Lord? Wow, what a what a what an awesome name to give your son. You're going to raise a man of God, aren't you? No, because mom, no one's serving God in the household. He doesn't he doesn't know God in a real way. Um, and I just would challenge us that are having households that we wouldn't be those that just have a form of godliness but deny the power. Amen. Uh, we want it to be real. We want we want. I mean, we have opportunity to have access to the true and living God in reality. Parents, we want to know him in reality. Uh, we want to share him with our kids in reality. And hopefully as we live it out in truth and in, not in hypocrisy, hopefully they catch it. Um, but again, we'll see here that, you know, his mom wasn't really living right either. And there's so much that's broken here. So look at verse three. It says, so when he had returned the eleven hundred shekels of silver and just just to note, I mean, that, that's a, a you know, the 10 shekels was a, a it was like an annual wage. So eleven hundred shekels was any jacked his mom for. That's a big sum of money. Um, I was meditating on that. That's a lot. That's a lot to jack mom for. But then I'm also looking at why she saved it. Like she was getting ready to invest quite a bit in her idolatry. And I'll come to that in just a moment. So it says when he had returned the eleven hundred shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated this silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now, therefore, I will return it to you. So his mom said, oh, it's OK, son, because I had dedicated that money to you to make you an idol anyway. Um, now, here again. Right. We read this and think, wow, terrible. This mother was going to make an idol for her son. But as I looking at this and meditating on this and just musing over this. I've seen that in my lifetime. I've seen parents make idols for their kids and maybe they didn't craft it or carve it or they didn't go down to the silver smith and have them hammer it out. But I've seen parents make idols for their kids. I've seen parents elevate something as everything that has, that's not God and make this thing about every, if you just will do this, I've seen parents do it with, I had a girl in my youth group and her mother was imposing dance and ballet on her, you know, where she couldn't be a part of, she would she would prefer to do ministry outings and camp, like camps coming up, this girl would miss, she couldn't do things because, no, you have a tournament. No, you have to get ready for this. You know, you have to prepare, like that was everything. And I watched this young lady over, over the years that there was a time where she wanted, she wanted, and then she didn't want no more. Like her, her, the, we watched her go from a period where she was battling to want to do. And it was like, man, this is what pleases my parents. This is what I, I'm going to pursue this, this in school, that those kind of things can be made idols for our kids. And, and I'm not knocking sports. Um, I think there's a healthy balance that our kids can be involved in stuff like that. But 
we want to be careful that we don't ever elevate those things from where, where I've known guys, where their kids, the only thing my dad is proud of is this. And I'm saying balance that out. Your kids need to know I'm proud of your walk with the Lord, man. When I see you, when I see you living right before God, I'm proud of that. When I see you making decisions that I know are influenced by the Lord, you want to speak that to them. Just like you were going to speak it to them when you see them step off. Man, I don't like that because that's not what God wants for you. I want to discourage that behavior right there. That's not where that's not the direction that the Lord is taking you. We want to make sure that we balance that out, that we don't make things idols for our kids. Their kids that grow up and it's like, man, their whole goal in life is to have a thing or possess a thing. We want to make sure that the thing that's elevated above everything else is the Lord, because if they have the Lord as in its rightful place, they may very well have all those other things and be able to enjoy them in a proper way. There are people that have things, but the things all fall far under the Lord. There are people that have achieved great things academically, athletically and otherwise, but they've been able to do so with the Lord on the throne in this right place. And so we want to be careful in our kids' hearts and minds. And they may have goals. They may have things that you see God is directing them to really pursue with all their heart. And you make sure that, man, we want to make sure that we keep the Lord at the very top. And one way I believe as parents that we do that, we have to vocalize to our kids that I'm going to tell them that this means the most. We have to show them that this means the most. We have to demonstrate it to them that this means the most. I believe that that's that's important. So anyway, back to here in this period where everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. He asked, um, while everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes, we have a mom who's saving up for idols, a son who's stealing from mom. And now that he gives it back, she blesses him. And so uh, he returned it to her. And it says in verse uh, when she told him that she was going to you know, make him an idol out of it. Verse five, it says the man Micah had a shrine um, and made an ephod and household idols. And he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. So this man, Micah had a, he had a, like a house of false gods. So this is something that they did. They got down like this. They had idols everywhere. Uh, he had a shrine um, and he had consecrated one of his own sons to be priest. And I want to just pause right there. Can you do that? Can you cause he, he's not even from the right tribe. It says he's a man from Ephraim. They ain't priest. You know, you, you can't be a priest. Uh, we're going to find later on that there's a, a Levite that they're going to make a priest. The Levite can't be a priest either. Um, but they make him consecrated one of his own sons to be a priest. And then it says in verse six. And in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And this is exactly what happened. This guy said, you know what? I want my own priest son. I'm gonna make you a priest. Never mind that the word says, what, what tribe did the priest need to come from? Levi, they had to come from that lineage. So never mind that God says they got to be born from a certain person. Look, this is my son. We from Ephraim. I'm going to make you a priest. Um, we'll find out later that there's several other things they do that are, that are really about convenience. Rather than travel up to Shiloh where God said they had to go once a year for the annual things. He said, no, we'll just make, we'll make ourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll gather. We'll make someone a priest that's not truly a priest. And so, um, what I would point out here is when people are doing what's right in their own eyes, it, it can it can impact every area of your life, spiritual things, practical things. They're just this guy. They're just doing whatever they want. You know, we want idols. I want a priest at home. I'll make you priest, son. Boom. I just I do whatever I want to do. I don't regard the word of God. I don't regard direction from anywhere. Um, and again, I mean, as you read some of the things they're doing, they're going to have a, a tone of spirituality like they want a priest. That sounds good, you know, but they why do they want a priest? You know, why do they, why do why do you want a priest over here? But then you got idols over here and you're just looking at it like it's hard to make sense of 
what exactly they're pursuing. This is what we can know for certain, that these are not a people that are pursuing what God says God's way. They're not doing it the way the word of God says. So verse seven, now when a young man from Bethlehem in Judah of the family of Judah, he was a Levite and was staying there. So this young man is from Judah. He's a Levite. Levites would serve the practical areas in the temple, but they weren't priests. Um, they would deal with the utensils and clean up and so forth and so on, but they weren't to function as priests. So this Levite was Staying in the area, verse eight, the man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could, wherever he could find a place. Then he came to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and as he journeyed. Now, uh, one of the reasons why this Levite wasn't in, didn't stay in Judah where he belonged was because the people at, at large weren't <laughs> obeying God. So that means that they weren't giving the tithe. So there was no tithe at the temple or the, 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 the place where God, God's people gathered together, there was no tithe to take care of the Levites. So they were out there looking for work wherever they could. So when you look at this guy and think, why isn't he where he belongs? He's a Levite. Why, why aren't you at the temple somewhere living on site um, in full-time service to the Lord? Because the people weren't giving. The people weren't obeying God. So you got Levites out there looking for, trying to look for work. Now it's going to be sad what he succumbs to in his attempt to look for work. And so look at, it says now in verse 9, and Micah said to him, where do you come from? So he said, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am on my way to find a place to stay. And Micah said to him, hey, dwell with me and be a father and a priest to me. And I will give you 10 shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes. So I'll give you an annual salary, 10 shekels of silver, a suit of clothes and your sustenance. So the old King James has some victuals, some food. Um, so the Levite went in. And then the Levite was content to dwell with the man and the young man became like one of his uh, one of one of his sons to him. So Micah consecrated the Levite. So now remember this guy had consecrated his own son and now he tells the son, now I got a real Levite, man, you out. You know, so I, we don't know how his son felt about that, but he's like, nah, I got an actual Levite now, son, you're out of here. I'm gonna make this guy a priest. Micah consecrated the Levite and the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me since I have a Levite as priest. And I want you just to consider everything that went wrong in chapter 17. Everything that goes wrong when people do what's right in their own eyes. So first of all, we got stolen money used. Stolen money is going to be used to buy idols. Um, the Lord is invoked to bless the thief. So the same mother that cursed whoever stole him, once she found out that it was her son, she said, oh, bless him indeed, you know, bless him. There is individual sh shrines replace worship at the tabernacle. So they had individual shrines, you know, that they built to worship where they were. The Levites are sorry, Levites and common people were being consecrated as priests. So this man had dedicated one of his sons as a priest. Now he's, uh, a, you know, making this Levite a priest, which both of them were disqualified from being so. Idols are being used in the worship of Jehovah. And after all of this, when you look at verse 13, Micah thought the Lord's going to bless me for this. I got an actual, I got an actual, I got a, a bona fide Levite. Surely the Lord is going to bless me now that I got a Levite and I made him a priest. Now, again, never mind that the word of God says a Levite can't be a priest. And so I read this and I think, wow, they, this guy really believed that God was going to like this was a good luck charm. I got an actual Levite and I'm paying him a wage. I, he pays him a year's salary. He gives him some outfits and tastes his food. He, 
the Levite is receiving from this pagan what the what the temple was supposed to be providing for him. Question number one, should should this Levite have taken this job? No, he's become a hireling at this point. So even though he's from the right lineage and the right family line to be a Levite to serve in the temple, maybe because he's fallen upon hard times, it, inexcusable why ever he's decided to do this. Um, he's now sold out. You, you as a Levite that knows the Lord, how are you going to even settle down in a house where you see all them idols? It's like, oh, this is not this is not how we worship. You know, this, he should have went in there and said, oh, no, y'all got it wrong. Let me let me let me tell you all the prescribed manner in which we worship. First of all, we can't do it at your house. We got to go to Shiloh where the Lord calls us to go. But he doesn't do any of that. He says, how much are you going to pay me? Oh, I'm in. Oh, I'm in. Here's the lesson for us there. Right. And it's everybody's got to consider this. Right. How, how much would you how much would it take for you to sell out the Lord? And I want you to think about that. I'm not this maybe not as direct a hit as you think, but. He sold out the Lord for this. this you know what? Now I've, I've been I've been wandering through. They're not taking care of me over there. Rather than struggle and suffer anymore. This guy's going to pay me. I will be his priest, whatever he wants. There are people that for extra pay, opportunity or whatever, will violate their own conscience, violate what God has called them to do. Um, I would challenge all of us to make sure that we never esteem things, money, resources that high. We all need it to live, but that we would never esteem it high enough a thing to violate our conscience, to go against the Lord. And so that's what this Levite does. He becomes a hireling to where now for enough pay, I'll do whatever you want. That would be like if 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 I couldn't be here at this church and some pagan temple offered me a good salary. I mean, how disgusted would you be to find out that, you know, not Bill worked down at the Jehovah's Witness yeah. in the bookstore over there. Yeah, they they, they paying them good. brother. <laughs> got fresh clothes and everything i mean y'all would be as disgusted as you should be you know um you can't fall upon times that hard when you sell out the lord amen, amen. and so but that's what this guy does and again you just back up one step and say this is what happens when everybody does what's right in their own eye. when people just say look i'm gonna do this what seems right to me and i'm gonna take care of me and mine right now right now i'm gonna do what's best for me i'm gonna take care of me and mine i'm doing me that's the that's how we say it today this is the kind of stuff that can happen. Ain't nobody here called to do you. Nobody here is called to look out for yourself. We're called to submit and surrender to the Lord above everything else because nobody has your best interest like he does. And even if in God's best interest for your life, there's a season of struggle, it'd be better to struggle with the Lord than to rebel against the Lord every single time. Amen. And so at this point right here, everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. All the error that we see could have been avoided by one thing that they don't do, which would be no. It would be, oh, it would be reading and obeying the word of God. That would have that would have solved everything we see. There'd be no idols. There'd be no shrines. There'd be no, you know, silversmith visits. There'd be no spending of money where it doesn't belong. This this Levite wouldn't have had to leave Judah. He'd be where he was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to be doing if people had just read and obeyed the law of God. And you're going to find in your life and in my life, that's always going to be the truth. If I, if you would just do what the word says do, there are areas where we're struggling where we wouldn't be struggling. There are areas that just, they're not working out. They're not making sense that God would make sense of them if we would just do it his way. There's a verse in Proverbs 14, 12, and it says, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death, right? And many times there's going to be things that this just seems the best to me. And that's why as believers, we sift everything through prayer. 
We say, Lord, this is what I think, but what do you say? Anybody ever done that and the Lord showed you that what you thought was totally wrong? I've had God do that enough times to where I'm afraid of my thoughts. God's like, I'm like, God, this, 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 this looks great. Let me run it by prayer. And I'm like, I'm just waiting for the Lord to stamp a confirmation. The Lord's like, no, that's not me at all. It's wrong on three points. And I'm like, well, goodness. I mean, I've got to, my, I'm, I'm, I've become more and more aware that my, my knee jerk responses, my first thoughts, as holy as I want to believe I am. How 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 those thoughts are normally more times than not, those things are not God's thoughts. My knee jerk, my my first inclination is to do this, but I don't pray. And I pray and God's like, nope, they're your first and erase your first inclination again. It's just not what I want you to do. And so um, that's training me that I need to pray about everything because in and of myself, I'm going to get it wrong too many times. And uh, sometimes one time getting it wrong is too many. So let's move on into chapter 18 now. In verse one, it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for itself to dwell to dwell in. For until that day, their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them. Now, their tribe, their 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 lot had actually been given to them. But if you guys remember when we went through Joshua, this is one of the groups that wouldn't they wouldn't put to flight the enemies that were there. So they had been given land, but they didn't possess all their land because the land they were given, when they got there, there were enemies there. And they were like, well, we need more land. We're, we, this is not enough for us. And, and you guys remember Joshua was kind of rough with them. He said, well, then go in there and fight for it and get it. And they, they, did, and they didn't. And so here they are later, and they're like, we don't have enough land. Had they just believed God, and went and fought the enemy, they wouldn't be here looking for land. Now these people are, they're going to end up looking for land that's not theirs. They're going to end up going to war with people that were not enemies of Jehovah. And so I look at this whole thing and we're going to read it and just think, man, had they fought the battles God called them to fight, they wouldn't be over here picking fights with those that God would have called them to be at peace with. And I would just make this relation to us, right? If you and me would fight the battles God has called us to fight, many times we wouldn't be fighting with the individuals, fighting with the situations that we end up picking. Um, God may be saying, Bill, I want you to fight this battle with your flesh. I want you to yield this thing. Because I won't fight this battle, I'm fighting with you. Because you're pressing me in the area where God's like, if you would just fight this battle over here, this wouldn't even be there, right? Um, I would just challenge everybody here to consider if in your life you're fighting battles that God's like, no, you're fighting the wrong battles. You're putting energy and effort into fighting this thing when I want you to battle this thing. I want you to battle this area of the flesh and surrender and let my spirit reign in this area. You're worried about what they did to you and making this thing right over here and getting that. God's like, would you fight the right battles? Um, as believers, many times we could be going to war with other believers. That's always the wrong battle. I can't be at war with y'all. We're supposed to be going to war together against the enemy. Amen. But when, when we're not right, when you get individual believers that are not right, that's what ends up happening. You get people that rather than fighting against the enemy, they start fighting against one another. That's what the enemy always wants. Oh, if I can just get them against each other. And so these Danites, they're going to go to seek some land. Um, but again, I read this in this thing. I remember that story. I remember when God, y'all did have an opportunity to go get land and you wouldn't fight those enemies but you're going to see what punks they are, because as they come into this area, they go spy it out and they're going to see that, wow, these people are they living at peace. 
This is a nice land, and because they have such peace, they're not even thinking about battle. They're 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 ill, they're, they're Ill prepared for somebody to come and run up on them. We're gonna go get them. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington is currently teaching through the Book of Judges, an Old Testament book that gives you a glimpse into a volatile time in Israel's history. Throughout this book, however, you also get to see God's faithfulness and mercy as He rescues His people again and again. God is ready to rescue you too. If you're ready to cry out to Him, today you can turn away from your sins and acknowledge the gift of grace that's being offered to you the grace that forgives everything you've done wrong. It's all thanks to Jesus. We want to talk to you more about that. Would you give us a call? Our number is 310-245-4811. We're happy to answer your questions and pray with you as you start a new life. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd love for you to join us for church this weekend too. While we can't meet you in person right now, we're still joining you live in your own home with our online worship services. Join us Sunday at 9 a.m. on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or on Instagram. There's links to all of those on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. We're also streaming live on Wednesday at 7 p.m. on those same platforms. Or you can watch later through our YouTube channel. All of that is available at calvaryinglewood.org. We're so glad you took time today to join us in the study of God's Word. And we want you to know that we're praying for you today. Join Pastor Bill next time for another edition of The Transforming Word.